the green new reality. This is the soapbox for the week of April 25th, 2021. A massive shift towards alternative and renewable energy is coming, and we all need to acknowledge that and shift the argument. For decades, those who have opposed what we currently call the climate movement have argued that the Earth is essentially a self-correcting system and that it will adapt to us. Other arguments contend that the Earth has been warming and cooling itself for millions of centuries, and it's simply a cycle that has nothing to do with who or what inhabits it. Some have tried pointing out that computer models are, by their very nature, biased by the data and assumptions that humans choose to enter into them. And still others have tried to be flippant with one-liners like, we can't even predict tomorrow's weather correctly, and yet we claim to know what the climate of the Earth will be in 50 years. Climate deniers, as we now condescendingly call them, have also tried to point out that almost every single dire prophecy that has been predicted about the impending doom of the planet over the last 50 years has never come to pass. In 1970, and for the next 15 years, scientists predicted an ice age by the 21st century. Last time I checked, it was the 21st century, and we are most definitely not in an ice age. Hmm. In the late 80s, it shifted to dire warnings about warming, including New York City being underwater by 2019. Now, New York City might not be doing too great today after the pandemic and all, but it isn't underwater. In 2002, we were told that as a result of human behavior, there would be global famine within 10 years, which would have been nine years ago. And if you haven't been to a claim jumper lately, trust me, there's plenty of food. In 2008, NASA said the Arctic would be ice-free by 2018. But in that same year, not to be outdone, former Vice President Al Gore told us that the Arctic would be ice-free by 2013. Then 2013 hit, and the Arctic was still quite icy, and scientists announced that methane would eliminate the Arctic in just two years. The U.S. Navy said three years, and it's still there and pretty icy. In 2009, no less than that climatologist and expert on all things planets, Prince Charles foretold that the planet would be destroyed by 2017. Let me check my phone, the calendar. Huh, it's 2021. Okay. Obviously, there's so many others that have been made, and we're wrong. However, it is time for the climate deniers to admit they've lost the argument. Public sentiment is and has been overwhelming for two decades and continues to rise with each new birth. Americans and the world believe that humans are destroying the planet and that we must move away from fossil fuels and into alternative energy. Yes, the sun and the wind. If you want to see endless surveys and the most recent one done by the Pew Research Center, we've linked to it at radradio.com in the soapbox. And it isn't governments that will be making the shift happen. In the wake of President Biden's announcement last week that he wants to reduce America's emissions by more than 50% in less than a decade, everyone's hair caught on fire and people started screaming about the Green New Deal and government overreach and putting people out of work and ending entire industries, and of course all of it's over junk science. Here's a problem. Screaming and yelling about the government vis-a-vis climate change is like blaming racism on the presence of schools being named after founding fathers who owned slaves. Both are a total waste of time and energy and do nothing to confront the actual issue. Industries and corporations across the country are shifting their entire business models towards alternative energy because their research has confirmed that the polls on climate change are more than accurate. And ultimately, businesses exist solely to make profit, which they do by giving people what they want. When between 70 and 80% of all Americans say, yeah, we need to shift towards alternative energy in a variety of questions. 
UC ExxonMobil, realizing they're on the endangered species list, shift towards renewable energy and also start working on developing technology to remove carbon from the air. Google has invested $2 billion into solar and wind. And in fact, more than 80% of the world's top 500 companies have voluntarily began auditing and announcing their environmental impact numbers in an effort to stay in the good graces of not their country's governments, but their country's citizens, i.e. their customers. No less than General Motors, the current and reigning gold standard amongst American vehicle manufacturers, has already said that it'll phase out petroleum-powered cars and trucks entirely and sell only vehicles that have zero tailpipe emissions by 2035. In less than 15 years, my Corvette that I have right now will be both a collector's item and a relic. The current leader of the pack, who is proving that this move is inevitable, is Tesla. One specific complaint of those who are resistant to the climate movement focuses on electric cars. And people argue two main points. A, if they run on electricity, we'll need to make more of it. Electricity. And we can only do that with more coal-fired plants, which defeats the whole purpose. B, electric cars are a useless inconvenience unless and until there are as many charging stations in America as there currently are gas stations. Well, Tesla is working on answering both of those in one fell swoop by developing what will ultimately be cars that are essentially built out of solar panels. In other words, the body of your car will also be your fuel source thanks to the sun. And yes, solar does still work on cloudy days, dimwit. Can we stop with that one line or two? Not to mention we already have the technology to store solar power collected on long sunny days for use later in both the evenings and on darker, dreary winter days. All of this, by the way, is as it should be. If companies are the ones leading the climate change movement, it will be done leaner, meaner, faster, and better than anything any government could even imagine, let alone implement. For companies will do it all with only one goal in mind, making money by pleasing their customers. In other words, when Tesla eventually rolls out their solar panel car, it won't be ugly, it will be affordable, and it will be what people want to drive. So climate deniers need to stop screaming about denying the science, for it is accepted as settled law, and the change is happening. Instead, it's time to focus attention on the ways in which we will all make this shift, rather than standing with our hands on our hips and our pouty face on maximum and uttering, No! I don't wanna! As many of our parents used to say in the face of such childishness, Too bad, you're gonna. So put on your big boy pants and let's go! Such outlandish and stupid proposals as are found in the actual proposed Green New Deal, like eliminating airplanes and cows, are literal non-starters. That 14-page proposal literally reads like a third grader wrote it. It's adorable, at best. Rather than allowing ourselves to be told that there's only one way to do this, it is time to accept that we're doing it, and then insist that it be done wisely, and in a way that causes as little pain as possible to the fewest number of people and professions. If companies want to pursue ways to create beef in a laboratory, great, go for it. But we're not going to simultaneously eliminate farmers and ranchers. If we can figure out how to get more out of wind and solar, then by all means, pursue that. But let's also put the same time and effort into figuring out how to address 
issues of nuclear waste so that we can start to once again build nuclear power plants. And don't tell me that it can't be done. If we can successfully figure out how to harness a breeze into something that powers more than a sailboat, then we can jolly well good figure out how to eliminate and or make safe the byproduct of nuclear energy. Those are just a couple small examples from a much longer list of common sense that needs to be injected into the climate movement discussion. And since this is happening, it's going to take all of us to make sure it happens correctly. With it said and acknowledged that this is the direction we're headed, let's, some of us, remember that all of it is, of course, a colossal waste of everything, from time to money and, ironically, energy. We are, of course, arrogantly trying to save a planet that doesn't need saving. Only humans could be so conceited as to think that we could cure something that we claim is sick when we can't even explain or actually prove how exactly it got here. I always think of two works of art that perfectly, beautifully, and skillfully sum up the lunacy that is this movement. One is comedian George Carlin's seven to eight minute diatribe from almost 30 years ago that to this day is spot on perfect in every way possible. We'll play it for you at the end of the soapbox if you want to listen. Oh, we've also linked to it at radradio.com in the written form of the soapbox. Some might go as far as to claim that George Carlin was inspired by a little book called Jurassic Park. Yes, it was a book first, before it was a movie, and then an amusement park, and a candy bar. I'm sure there's a Jurassic Park candy bar somewhere. It was written only two years before Carlin's brilliant sketch. Carlin did his in 92, Jurassic Park 1990. My favorite passage of not only that novel, but one of my favorites of all time, also brilliantly explains how misguided and self-important we are. And it goes like this. You think man can destroy the planet? What intoxicating vanity. Let me tell you about our planet. Earth is four and a half billion years old. There's been life on it for nearly that long, 3.8 billion years. Bacteria first, later the first multicellular life, then the first complex creatures in the sea, on the land, then finally the great sweeping ages of animals, the amphibians, the dinosaurs, at last the mammals, each one enduring millions on millions of years, great dynasties of creatures rising, flourishing, dying away. All this against a background of continuous and violent upheaval. Mountain ranges thrust up, eroded away, cometary impacts, volcano eruptions, oceans rising and falling, whole continents moving, an endless, constant, violent change, colliding, buckling to make mountains over millions of years. Earth has survived everything in its time. It will certainly survive us. If all the nuclear weapons in the world went off at once, and all the plants, all the animals died, and the earth was sizzling hot for a hundred thousand years, life would survive somewhere, under the soil, frozen in Arctic ice. Sooner or later, when the planet was no longer inhospitable, life would spread again. The evolutionary process would begin again. It might take a few billion years for life to regain its present variety, of course, it would be very different from what it is now, but the Earth would survive our folly. Only we would not. If the ozone layer gets thinner, ultraviolet radiation sears the Earth, so what? Ultraviolet radiation is good for life. It's powerful energy. It promotes mutation, change. Many forms of life will thrive with more UV radiation. Many others will die out. Do you think this is the first time that's happened? Think about oxygen. Necessary for life now, but... Oxygen is actually a metabolic poison, a corrosive gas, like fluorine. 
When oxygen was first produced as a waste product by certain plant cells some three billion years ago, it created a crisis for all life on Earth. Those plants were polluting the environment, exhaling a lethal gas. Earth eventually had an atmosphere incompatible with life. Nevertheless, life on Earth took care of itself. In the thinking of the human being, a hundred years is a long time. A hundred years ago, we didn't have cars, airplanes, computers, or vaccines. It was a whole different world. But to the Earth, a hundred years is nothing. A million years is nothing. This planet lives and breathes on a much vaster scale. We can't imagine its slow and powerful rhythms. And we haven't got the humility to try. We've been residents here for the blink of an eye. If we're gone tomorrow, the Earth will not miss us. And from 1992, if you got eight more minutes to hear brilliance, George Carlin on the planet. See, I'm not one of these people who's worried about everything. You got people like this around you, country's full of them now. People walking around all day long, every minute of the day, worried about everything. Worried about the air, worried about the water, worried about the soil. Worried about insecticides, pesticides, food additives, carcinogens. Worried about radon gas, worried about asbestos. Worried about saving endangered species. Let me tell you about endangered species, all right? Saving endangered species is just one more arrogant attempt by humans to control nature. It's arrogant meddling. It's what got us in trouble in the first place. Doesn't anybody understand that? Interfering with nature. Over 90%, over, way over, 90% of all the species that have ever lived on this planet, ever lived, are gone. They're extinct. We didn't kill them all. They just disappeared. That's what nature does. They disappear these days at the rate of 25 a day. And I mean regardless of our, our behavior. Irrespective of how we act on this planet, 25 species that were here today will be gone tomorrow. Let them go gracefully. Leave nature alone. Haven't we done enough? We're so self-important. So self-important. Everybody's going to save something now. Save the trees, save the bees, save the whales, save those snails. <laughs> and the greatest arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these fucking people kidding me? <laughs> save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're going to save the fucking planet? I'm getting tired of that shit. Tired of that shit. Tired. I'm tired of fucking Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos. Besides, environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. They don't care about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might be personally inconvenienced. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Besides, there is nothing wrong with the planet. Nothing wrong with the planet. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. <laughs> Difference. Difference. The planet is fine. 
compared to the people, the planet is doing great. It's been here four and a half billion years. Did you ever think about the arithmetic? planet has been here four and a half billion years. We've been here, what, 100,000, maybe 200,000? And we've only been engaged in heavy industry for a little over 200 years. 200 years versus four and a half billion. And we have the conceit to think that somehow we're a threat? That somehow we're going to put in jeopardy this beautiful little blue-green ball that's just a-floating around the sun? The planet has been through a lot worse than us. Been through all kinds of things worse than us. Been through earthquakes, volcanoes, plate tectonics, continental drift, solar flares, sunspots, magnetic storms, the magnetic reversal of the poles, hundreds of thousands of years of bombardment by comets and asteroids and meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? The planet... The planet, the planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Thank God for that. Maybe a little styrofoam. Maybe. A little styrofoam. The planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. A surface nuisance. You want to know how the planet's doing? Ask those people at Pompeii who are frozen into position from volcanic ash how the planet's doing. Wonder if the planet's all right? Ask those people in Mexico City or Armenia or a hundred other places buried under thousands of tons of earthquake rubble if they feel like a threat to the planet this week. <laughs> How about those people in Kilauea, Hawaii who build their homes right next to an active volcano and then wonder why they have lava in the living room? <laughs> the planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone and it will heal itself it will cleanse itself because that's what it does it's a self-correcting system the air and the water will recover the earth will be renewed and if it's true that plastic is not degradable well the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm the earth plus plastic <laughs> the earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic plastic came out of the earth the earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children could be the only reason the Earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. <laughs> Didn't know how to make it. Needed us. Could be the answer to our age-old philosophical question, why are we here? Plastic. Assholes. So, so, the plastic is here, our job is done, we can be phased out now. And I think that's really started already, don't you? I mean, to be fair, the planet probably sees us as a mild threat, something to be dealt with. And I'm sure the planet will defend itself in, in, in the uh, manner of a large organism, like a beehive or an ant colony can muster a defense. I'm sure the planet will think of something. What would you do if you were the planet trying to defend against this pesky, troublesome species? Let's see. What might... Hmm. Viruses. Viruses might be good. They seem vulnerable to viruses. And uh, viruses are tricky, always mutating and forming new strains whenever a vaccine is developed. Perhaps... 
this first virus could be one that, that compromises the immune system of these creatures, perhaps a human immunodeficiency virus making them vulnerable to all sorts of other diseases and infections that might come along, and maybe it could be spread sexually, making them a little reluctant to engage in the act of reproduction. Well, that's a poetic note, and it's a start, and I can dream, can I? See, I don't worry about the little things, bees, trees, whales, snails. I think we're part of a greater wisdom than we will ever understand. A higher order. Call it what you want. Know what I call it? The big electron. The big electron. Whoa. 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 It doesn't punish. It doesn't reward. It doesn't judge at all. It just is. And so are we. For a little while. Thanks for being here with me for a little while tonight. Thank you.